Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right, another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's very redundant of me to say. You just heard it in the intro. This is our weekly breakdown of what's going on in District 4 Athletics. My name is Brandon Bainey, and as always, joined by our District 4 expert, Scott Burton. What do you got there? I'm making it rain, Brandon. Making it rain. (laughs) Okay. Um, we're coming in hot here uh, in the dog days of August. Uh, for those of you that are watching the video version of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, Scott just made it rain. Now, the the the, the trick there is is that only a couple of those were, were real dollar bills. The rest <laughs> it looked like it looked like monopoly money. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's funny because whenever and it's a good segue to, to maybe something we're gonna talk about later today. Yes. But when somebody hands me money, I always do the old, like, you know, the old movies where they go, yeah, it's all there. <laughs> right. It fe- <laughs> feels, feels right. It feels like the right amount. Um, right. Yeah, yes. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Also want to remind everybody, if you're not watching the video version of this uh, prep cast, you can get the audio only version as well at idahosports.com across the top of the homepage. Uh, you'll see a tab that says prep casts from there. There's a little drop down menu. You can click on the magic Valley prep cast there. Uh, you can also download this podcast wherever you download your podcasts, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, etc. So uh, we are ready to dive in. Now, Scott, originally we were going to come into this episode uh, to talk about, you know, the high school sports season starting, you know, soccer gets mm-hmm. started this weekend and we'll, we'll go over the games that are taking place after our larger discussion, but, and then also there's, you know, a football game that's taking place this weekend as well. But sometimes there's stuff that's, happens away from the the field away from the athletic arena that just becomes so big that we we have to talk about it and in this case uh i think the biggest story not just in the magic valley but i think the biggest story in the state last week was the i'm sure it wasn't a surprise to to his family but it was a surprise to a lot of people the surprise transfer of gatlin bear the junior wide receiver defensive back great track athlete, basketball player, dynamo, everything guy for Kimberly. He has now transferred to Burley and will be a Bobcat for the 2022-23 season. And I asked you, Scott, I said, you know, this isn't like you're just going to the next school down the road. This is a kind of a significant move to go from Kimberly to Burley. They're about what, 25, 30 miles apart. Yeah. I mean, they're, and they're different classifications too. I mean, this isn't just a, twin to Canyon Ridge or, you know, uh, Dietrich to Richfield or something along those lines. And it's not just a average player either. This is an elite athlete. And so obviously it gained a lot of attention and there's a lot of speculation that are circulating right now about to how this all went down. Definitely. And so we, we want to say going in that what we're going to talk about today, a lot of it is like you said, speculation, rumors, not anything tangible that we can talk about, but there, this has kind of been simmering under the surface for a while, not just in the Magic Valley, but definitely in Boise. I'm seeing it where I live in East Idaho, and that's what we really wanted to talk about today was this recent trend of high-profile athletes transferring from one school 
to another. So I know you reached out to some people, probably spoke to some people off the record or confidentially or something along those lines. I kind of did the same. And so I think this is a discussion that, that needs to happen. I, without a doubt, it needs to happen because, you know, for the longest time, um, I've been coaching down here in the Valley for, gosh, my first coaching job was in 93. So, you know, I've been here a while and this problem that's going on used to be kind of a Boise problem. I mean, more so than it was down here in the Magic Valley. All of a sudden it is blown up down here and, um, and, and it's all intertwined and I'm not trying to lump the bear situation into something, you know, sketchy. That's not what I'm saying right now because there's certain different issues here. Um, but there definitely is a problem with athletes transferring and with coaches recruiting. And I'm not saying that's happening at Burley. That is not what I'm saying. Those are two different issues. And we can dive into both of those and talk about them just so people are clear on kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We're not, we're not, saying that is what happened at Burley, but because that happened, it did kind of allow us to step back and examine and go, boy, there, there's been a lot of, you know, kind of high profile transfers lately. You know, for example, uh, this summer we saw two very high profile basketball players transfer to schools in completely different States. Uh, Michael day, the six ten kid from Middleton is gone. He went down to Arizona Isaiah Harwell, who just finished his freshman year at Century and was one of the best basketball players in the state, he transferred to Wasatch Academy in Utah, where he's going to play for the next three years. And we even saw it back in 2021, the 21-22 school year at Bishop Kelly, where Cade Rice, the son of Boise State men's basketball coach Leon Rice, he transferred to a prep school in, I believe it was Missouri. So we're seeing these high-profile basketball players defect to other states, which, you know, good for them and the opportunity, I suppose. And I guess they do it to get more eyeballs on them. But that, you know, that hurts the state of Idaho as well in terms of we're losing really quality players. Well, it does, and it, and it reflects the culture that we are now finding ourselves in. Um Back in the day, it used to be, okay, you live here, you play here. That's it. And it and it actually reflected like the old NBA, NFL teams of the 80s and early 90s where people just spent careers with a team. Free agency has really changed the landscape in pro sports, and it's changing the landscape in high school sports because now all of a sudden programs and coaches are selling their programs promising next level stuff, getting elite teams, AAU teams, club teams involved for a recruiting process that is happening across the state. And the parents are drinking the Kool-Aid. And what's happening is we are creating this culture of what have you done for me lately that if I can't be on a great team and have the chance to get to the next level, then I'm out of here. Or I don't like the coach. I'm out of here. And what it's doing is it's ruining the integrity of high school sports, in my opinion. And that's also the shared opinion of a lot of other coaches that are dealing with this uh, just like we are here. Yeah. And, and we hear this all the time where young athletes are impressionable. They're going to look to the pros and see what they're doing and try to, you know, when we were growing up, we, we tried to pull off MJ's signature stutter step jump mm -hmm. shot, right? We tried to mimic the things we saw. Well, you're seeing in the NBA now, 
uh, where the the prima donna players at the top are are demanding to be traded. You know, Kevin Durant has uh, demanded to be traded a couple of different times. You're seeing it in college now with the transfer portal. Yes. We talked we talked about that last week, mm-hmm. and and now where they can earn money through the NIL deal. Uh, so where it's different for high schoolers is they're they're not paid. You're you're not being paid to to play football or basketball or whatever sport it is for your school you're you're trying to get an education so you can go be a productive member of society i guess that's where i would draw the line between what's happening in the pros and college in terms of player empowerment and what's happening in high school yeah and we're losing our focus you know we are absolutely turning these kids into not student athletes but athlete students where the athletics comes first now I'm an athletic director. I, I get it. I get the importance of all of that. But what we're doing is we're sacrificing our integrity. And it is becoming so blatant and, and so grotesque to watch some of this stuff go down. Um, and before I kind of dive into it, let me just address the elephant in the room. And that's the bear situation. Okay. So when this went down, there were a lot of people and I ran into a lot of people and a lot of people came to me and said, what do you think? You know, because they knew, number one, I was an athletic director. Number two, they knew I was in the Great Basin. And number three, they knew that we did this podcast. And so they were asking, what do you think? You know, and I'm like, well, I am not going to give an opinion until I talk to people and find out what's going on. And so here's here's the scoop on that. So let's just put this one to bed right now and get whatever we found out out of the way so people can make their own decisions. So the thing with Burley is Cameron Anderson leaves Gooding to go to Burley. Okay. Cameron Anderson is a very well-known coach in the state of Idaho. Um, he's, he's also very energetic. He also, um, and th- I'm not saying anything that people didn't already tell me or people already thought or whatever with success comes a lot of naysayers and, during the years at Gooding, I mean, there were kids from Dietrich, Shoshone, Hagerman that all went to Gooding. And so that kind of got a little bad reputation over there for recruiting. And that was something that was going on. I'm not saying that was happening, but that is those kids left those towns to go play at Gooding. And so obviously a reputation started to develop over there. Okay. Now I'm friends with Cameron Anderson. I'm not bagging him at all. I'm going to defend him here in a minute. But that reputation started to develop. Okay, so now he goes to Burley. And Burley itself is loaded with money. There is so much money in that town, and they have a lot of people with deep pockets that are really pushing athletics over there. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think every every town wishes they had something like that going on. But with that, you could be using it the wrong way. And so you start putting all of these questionable pieces together and people are going to start to form their own opinions. Well, now you've got the bear situation leaving Kimberly, high profile athlete. Well, now people are really talking. And that's when they all started to come to me and said, what do you think? And I'm like, well, let me talk to people. All right. So I called. And uh, I did have a very long conversation with uh, Cameron Anderson, uh, like I said, who is a friend of mine. And the thing about it, and people are going to believe whatever they want, there are bona fide moves that because of whatever situation is going on at their previous school, they decide to leave. Um, whether that is a uh, 
discipline situation, grade situation, a job situation for the parents. There are a, a myriad of reasons that are legit and bona fide. The problem is when it happens to a high profile athlete surrounded by the rumors that are going on with everything I just discussed, people are going to start talking. Well, obviously Burley denies any recruiting at all. Okay. That that's multiple sources in Burley. And of course they're going to say that. And I, you know, I, I have no other choice but to believe them, but that is the talk, right? So talking to these people, no, they say we didn't, we didn't recruit anybody. Well, you, you got to put all the pieces together to get an accurate profile. Things were going south quickly in Kimberly. Um, there was a, just a really bad toxic environment that started to develop over in Kimberly. Um, and people are saying, it depends on who you talk to, that there were too many parents that were starting to get involved. And that created a huge problem over there, started driving people away. Filer had the same thing happen to them, you know, and longtime, very well-respected Kirby Bright leaves as athletic director. Rich Bishop, the head football coach over there, left. And he's over here at Jerome. Now people say, did you go recruit him? <laughs> you know, and like, no, Kimberly just started to turn in a really bad situation and people were leaving. Okay. That had a lot to do, in my opinion, with why the Bears left. Plus, they're downsizing. They, they, Jackson's out of the house. He's on his mission, right? And so, you know, Gatlin is changing. They've got a new football coach, new AD, weird situation going on over there. And, and Burley was where they wanted to go. Okay. So now to defend Cameron Anderson, and people are going to believe whatever they want to believe, but this is a guy that has got so much energy that he builds these programs. Now, whether or not he's got financial backing behind, whatever, doesn't matter. He's building these programs that people want to be part of. And so when that happens, you will get people that will move there. The problem isn't necessarily the people moving there. It's the fact that it looks like recruiting. Now, nobody can say for a fact what happened behind closed doors, but I'm telling you through the interviews that I had over the course of the week, that is what went down. Okay. Bad situation in Kimberly. Bears trying to downsize. Cameron Anderson building something now in Burley with, with a lot of money behind him. Attractive situation. And here we go. And it was a bona fide move. Okay. So now people are going to fill in the blanks with whatever they want. But that's the bear situation. Okay. And with the rumors surrounding everything, people are always going to talk. Yeah, well, and at, at a certain point, unfortunately, perception becomes reality in some ways, and you can defend your position until you're blue in the face. And people, like you said, people are going to believe what they want to believe. Um, so, you know, where a coach has a certain plausible deniability, I've found, and this happened while I was living in Missoula, a prominent school there all of a sudden had kids from like five different schools including some communities as far as like 40 miles away they said look the coach said look these guys all play with each other during the summer and they talk to each other and so if the players say hey you should come to our school and play with us you know i can't control mm -hmm. that that's always the plausible deniability that a coach is going to be able to say with the exception of and, and again, we're not saying this is what's happening, but this is what I have heard a lot of from people over in Boise is you look at what's going on at Hawaii, right? They are the brand new 5A school last year, and they have a basketball team that is loaded. Their, their second five could start at a lot of other schools. Mm -hmm. And 
the allegations there are, you know, Andy Harrington, the basketball coach at Hawaii, he is very involved in coaching club basketball in Boise as well. And you see it more in the bigger cities where club basketball is more prevalent. Um, mm-hmm. But And again, these are things I'm not saying they're true. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that's the perception that's out there. And well, so- it is. It is because you've got the Idaho Select um, and all these head basketball coaches that are coaching these club elite select teams and they're able to just recruit you know i'm not accusing anybody especially coach hampton of anything i mean i don't have like proof in front of me but what i'm saying is to piggyback off of that perception idea and we know it's happening that these coaches are out there recruiting through club and through select and social media is not helping this at all and what they're doing is they're getting, like you said, these kids to drink the Kool-Aid, buy into their programs, sell their programs to these kids and their parents. And next thing you know, boom, they're out of here. And there's no governing body controlling this. You know, so it's not like they're really breaking rules per se, maybe ethical rules. But until there's a law or a rule that governs this, this, this crap's going to go on forever. And we're seeing it a lot more now in the middle school because it's open enrollment after eighth grade. You can go wherever the heck you want to go. And so these coaches are getting their fingers into the minds of the parents and players in the middle school saying, come to my school, you know, and then you factor in the whole private school thing on top of that. That's a whole new animal. And they're, they can legally do it. And you can't fault places like Bishop Kelly and, and these other private schools that are constantly just powerhouses every year. Well, my goodness, they're getting whoever they want. And if they have money, you can go there. And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's the way it's set up. And so I think what's starting to happen is at least in some circles, you're getting a lot of these private schools that are driving the boat and these public schools are fighting to keep up because we get who we get in our district. We can't go out and recruit, you know, and so we we don't have that private school pipeline. So now we're trying to keep up. We're trying to get out there to get kids to come to our school. And we are just just stomping on the line of ethics in doing so. And because of the rules and the way that it's set up, there's there's no way to control it. And some schools want to stay legit. And I'll tell you here, Jerome. We're staying legit. We're not doing that. We could have an eighth grade showcase every year and have our basketball people, eighth grades from around the Valley come in and then just get in their heads. And we're not going to do it. Yep. Uh, Those are all great points. You know, you look at like the two A Western Idaho conference over in district three and, you know, more than half the league are those private schools that you were talking about this past softball season. I had a coach. A pretty, pretty well-respected softball coach at one of the public schools tell me, I can't really tell you how the league will look because inevitably the private schools in our league are going to get a player from Eagle and a player Mm -hmm. from Mountain View. And he goes, I can't, I can't account for that. And, you know, we have to kind of wait and see who shows up from the bigger schools to these smaller private schools. And I remember specifically, and this is again, back to the Magic Valley, this was a big issue about three or four years ago now in twin falls where there was a lot of people making a lot of noise behind the scenes with lighthouse Christian and the fact that lighthouse Christian was competing at the one AD two level, which was the smallest they've since been bumped up to D one. 
but the argument was, well, yes, technically their student enrollment is that of a 1A D2 school, but they're pulling from the Twin Falls metro area, which is a 4A, 5A population base. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is you take a private school like Lighthouse, Bishop Kelly, and this is no fault of theirs. Kudos to them for doing it because they're they're doing what they're designed to do. Okay. But what it's doing is it's creating this giant separation between them and public schools, right? But what they're able to do that public schools are not able to do is aside from the funding and aside from the money, which is night and day, is those private schools may have 2,000 kids in the school, but they are pulling from 85% of that population, maybe more, into their programs. They're, they're maximizing that, where you get a school that says, you know, maybe they've got 2,000 as well. In a public school, they're pulling maybe 25, 30% of their population are participating. The makeup is completely different. And you dang right they have an advantage, as well they should. And they should be winning all the titles because they have the best kids at times per volume, right? And they're maximizing all of that. So yeah, there's a huge advantage there. And so now public schools are like, well, what are we going to do to close the gap? Well, let's get out there and recruit kids. Let's get these kids here. And what it's doing is it's creating a, a different style of coach. This is not the, the, the old school coach um, that, that teaches all the things that we grew up with, teamwork, discipline, accountability, you know, fundamental skills. It's not about that anymore. It's about what can I do to keep up? What can I do for the athletes? And the athletes and the parents are go, what can you do for me? And so now the, the level and the caliber of coaches is changing because it's not the same anymore. Yeah, the the in-game coaching, not quite as important. I mean, it's still important, right? You'll, you'll yeah. see a coach that's good at bringing in the talent. And this happens in college a lot too, right? You can be a great yeah. recruiter and a bad X's and O's coach. As a UCLA fan, personally, that's that's what Steve Alford was a couple of years ago. Great recruiter, horrible in-game coach. Um, you're you're seeing now also what, what this is causing is a separation of classes where the wealthy and the affluent are able to, for example, a, a player from middle, you know, Middleton's had a couple of basketball players transfer out. One transfers to Eagle. Now that is a legitimate move. His parents bought a house in Eagle and moved there. Okay, but the the housing market right now is completely upside down, and not everybody can afford to do that. Yes. So it's it's causing the wealthy and the affluent the ability to hey, I've got to throw down seven hundred thousand dollars on this house so my kid can live in this district and play basketball, no problem. When you look at lower income areas like a Caldwell or you know a, a Wendell or a Jerome, you know, they're just not going to be able to do that. And so it is causing this big separation between the rich and the regular. And that's a very good point. And that's uh, exactly what it's doing. And it's showing it's it's putting a floodlight on the socioeconomic uh, discrepancies and disparities between these schools as well. And, and, and you can trace that right back to, like we said, private schools, the kids are in there, they can afford it, right? I mean, yeah, there's some that struggle or whatever, but you're not there because you don't have the money. You're still paying tuition. So you got money there, right? But you're exactly right. The the people with money, and and I sound like I'm I'm sour grapes. I'm really not. I'm just tired of sitting on this and watching it happen because it's it's just not ethical, in my opinion. 
Yeah. So what, I mean, in, in other States, you know, you see a separation of the private schools have their own league and they have their own tournament and the public schools do their own thing. Are we ever going to reach that point in Idaho? Or do you think we'll all continue to, to be in the same boat? You know, I think we're going to continue to be in the same boat. You know, these new problems that are creeping up the IHSAA, they're not equipped to handle them. You know, they, they just, they don't have the, the numbers in that office to govern these types of things. I mean, they would have to have a, an investigating body and somebody just really dedicated to exploring what's going on. And they don't have that. The only way this is ever going to get solved is if there's a rule or a law place that says, no, you go to school in the district that you're in. I don't care if you're in eighth grade. The only way you're going anywhere is a bona fide move. And then, after, then you know, you can put some stipulations on it. Maybe you could, on a bona fide move, um, suspend the eligibility for six months. You know, I mean, makes you think twice. But when it's such an open door policy, I mean, it, it, I'm worried about the kind of people that we're creating. Okay. Because all of a sudden you get to just cry foul every time you're wrong. Coach is wrong, didn't play me, or the school district sucks, or whatever the case is, I can go somewhere else. And it's a societal thing because we're seeing it across the board at all levels. You know, you mentioned college, it's the same thing. The rules are so loose now that people just get tired of where they want to be and they get somebody in their head that says, you know what, hey, maybe I can get you to the next level because I know a guy. Next thing you know, boom, everybody's on board and it's gone. And there's schools within our conference right now that are notorious for doing that doing that through um private leagues through clubs through whatever and they have the recruiting reputation and and quite frankly people are sick of it yeah and it's a problem that's affecting every part of the state right it's it's long been a boise problem as we said it started there obviously it spread to the Magic Valley. I see it in East Idaho. Even up north, you've got the border jumpers between Spokane and Coeur d'Alene. There's, mm -hmm. you know, 12 to 20 athletes that go from one state to the other every year. And everyone's just like, well, okay, what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah, and, and it is. And it's hard to control. And that's that's the frustrating part is you get a bona fide move. And then, you know, people like me are obviously going to question everything. Um, just because, you know, that's the inquisitive journalistic nature, right? But, you know, you, you get a bona fide move and, and those are going to happen. But when the, when the rules are so loose, even the bona fide moves get scrutinized. Yeah. And, and what it does is it, 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 what you're talking about implementing some sort of a, a, a stricter system ultimately that will penalize the people that are making legitimate moves. For example, uh, McCall Donnelly for football this year, they've got uh, an athlete from Rigby. His family moved from Rigby all the way to McCall. Now I'm telling you, they didn't do that. So he can go play football <laughs> at a smaller school. I mean, McCall's yeah. a beautiful, they did it because McCall's a beautiful place to live probably. Um, yeah. But, but you know, under what we're kind of proposing here, that athlete would have to sit out for six months, not because, you know, he did anything wrong, but because other people are taking advantage of the rule. And unfortunately you kind of have to not punish, but you have to treat everybody the same. Yeah, no, you do. And, you know, you, you've got to slow down this train that is gaining a lot of momentum right now. 
because if, if somebody doesn't find the, the brake lever pretty quick, it's, it's going to get, it's going to get really bad. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm really concerned about the type of people that we're pumping out of this system um, because we're not advocating for these athletes to solve their own problems or to gel with teammates or learn discipline or whatever the case is. We're teaching them to say, you know what? You wronged me. I'm leaving. Or there's a better spot over here for me. Not to work through any difficulties or you know adversity that they may have. It's like, you know what? Screw this, man. I'm out of here. And that's what we're creating. And then we're, we're getting coaches that are just absolutely feeding that and parents that drink the Kool-Aid. And so it is just a, a, just a nasty little system that you can see um, really starting to develop here in the Magic Valley. Yeah, I agree. And I think ultimately, if, if we don't nip this, if, we, if it continues the way it does, the schools that aren't reaping the benefits are going to become more and more disenfranchised. We're already seeing low participation numbers across the board in athletics, and -hmm. it's going to turn into what we're seeing with college football, where there's a couple of super conferences and a couple of super teams and everybody else may not even have enough kids to play. Well, and that's a good point too, because I mean, we're already in this day and age struggling with participation numbers. Kids just don't participate like they should. And so when that pool is shrunk and you've got like um, predators just kind of picking out the best ones. I mean, we've running into problems now where it never, never used to have where, you know, four A and five A teams can't put three football teams on the field because they don't have the numbers. I mean, when in the world was that ever a problem, you know, Um, but it is now. And so, yeah. And if you've got a, a crappy program, you're in and you're out because a either you're, not recruiting or B you can't keep coaches there because of whatever reason kids aren't going to come out for that stuff. But when you have those, the money backed recruiting thing going on, kids are going to gravitate to that and that's where they're going to go. Yeah. It's, it's a really unfortunate thing. You know, we've got a four, a program in Caldwell. That's not even, you know, they said, we don't want to be a part of the conference. We, we just, we don't have enough, you know, bodies to, why would we want to go up against Bishop Kelly? when they've got more kids on their sideline than we do in our whole program, 12 through nine. Um, yeah. And, you know, Boise, a 5A school did that a couple of years ago. And they said, no, thanks. We'll play our own schedule. And we don't want to be in the conference. It's just, I don't know what the answer is, but, you know, we've got to get the reins on this thing quickly, or it's going to be a huge separation where it's, and it's going to get boring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be the same. Drive, you're going to drive people out. And yeah. you're going to drive coaches out because, you know, coaching is, is a different animal. I mean, I've coached for almost 30 years and it takes a different mindset to be a coach. And you're going to have half the people hate you, half the people love you. But now the new element with everything that we talked about, coaches don't have time for that. We are too busy. But if you are a dedicated lifer with this, the personality fits. And that's what we're doing is we're driving out these coaches. And, and and it's funny because a lot of coaches now aren't even in the building. And so they're in the community. They're in the club programs. They're in the elite programs and, and those kinds of things. So, yeah, we are just absolutely changing the coaches. We're changing the culture. And, and you asked about what needs to be done. Well, the first thing that we need to do is throw awareness on it. Let people know what's happening. And then maybe it, that can generate its own momentum. Yeah. You mentioned the coaching turnover. It is a bad profession because 
either you're get hearing it from the parents all the time. And if you cave into the parents, then you lose players. It's just, it's a no win situation. We, we, uh, I, I wrote an article. It's on our website right now, idahosports.com. I wrote about the coaching carousel and how many different football coaches, uh, changed jobs or how many schools had to fill a new position. There were 34 coaching vacancies for head football coaches in the state of Idaho this past year. 30, 34. No, and, and you, you look at that, you look at the official shortage, you look at the attitudes that we are creating with parents because of everything we just talked about. Don't tell me those aren't connected because if you are a parent that was completely ingrained or a player that's completely ingrained in their district and their school, knowing that, Hey, I'm going to make this work. Are you telling me that they wouldn't simmer down just a little bit? But when we don't get immediate results in this instant gratification world, we are on to the next thing. And that is exactly how we are behaving as parents, as community, because we're driving coaches out, we're driving officials out, and ultimately we're taking our players out as well. Definitely. So we're, we're kind of speaking generally because we've talked to lots of people. What, what, what have the people you've reached out to, what have they said? What, what do they think can be done? What do they think needs to be done? Well, they need to, they need to, they, they all say a lot of the same thing. Number one, whatever district you live in, you're going stop the eighth grade, eighth grade recruiting BS that's going on. That's number one. That's, you know, according to everybody I've talked to, that's that's the number one fix. Okay, you live where you live, and that's the end of it. Um, but then those that decide to transfer out, you know, if it's a bona fide move, and we keep we keep using that term, bona fide move, that basically means that you physically pick up a residence and and you go buy a house there, right? Well, there has to be some sort of thorough investigation into that, or some sort of uh, suspended eligibility period um, before you can do that. And because if it's a bona fide move, I mean, it's a bona fide move that gets a new job, whatever the case is. But, you know, like we talked about, it's hard to distinguish what those are. Um, the other thing is um, we have to, I don't know if there's an answer here. Social media has blown this thing out of control because the way that everybody is communicating with each other on social media, they are selling their programs uh, pages dedicated to it, whatever. It's just fueling the fire. Um, but I think by and large, the number one thing was that that eighth grade recruiting thing, and then maybe a suspended eligibility on a move. That I mean, the eighth grade one seems like a pretty easy policy to implement. I mean, that would be across the board and Hey, whatever school district you live in, you go to I, I'm, I'm surprised that hasn't happened already, I guess. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I'm not sure a few years ago, people saw how big this was going to get. I mean, in the Boise Valley, it was there, but but the Boise Valley is just, it's just so congested with all these schools that sometimes things just kind of are happening that you don't really see. You know what I'm saying? Down here where it's a little bit more spread out and you see these things. Yeah, it's it's noticeable. And, and I think this just happened to gain so much traction lately that it is just head scratching at the moment. Yeah. And I, and I agree there's, and the, like you said, the IHSA just doesn't have the staff to, you know, investigate every time a kid transfers to another school. Um, 
and, and so maybe the schools have to do a little bit of the lifting uh, themselves. Is that feasible to have the schools? Um, that, that's a hard one too, because yeah. what you're asking is you're asking uh, school athletic directors and administrators who are overworked and their plates are overflowing the way it is to take on something new and also to keep themselves in check. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if, if somebody came to me and said, I've got this six, seven basketball kid that can just flat out jump out of the gym and he wants to move here, I may ask a couple of questions. I mean, I'm just talking general athletic director, ask a couple of questions, but I'm getting a six, seven basketball stud moving in here. What am I going to, why would I ruin that? You know? So it goes both ways on that. You know, the, maybe the school that he's moving from has got a lot more to say than the school he's going to. Definitely. And, and there's, there's also interesting situations. For example, last year, uh, there was a kid from Kamii, a basketball player. His dad got a job in Lewiston, moved there. He spent the first semester in Lewiston, didn't like it, said, I want to go back to Kamii and play with my friends. They had, the dad had kept the house in Kamii still. So he said, all right, you can move into Kamii. I'll come check on you a couple times a week. And that was that situation. And next yeah. thing you know, he's at state playing with Kamii. So yeah, and, and we're seeing a lot of creative ways to, you know, circumvent these rules too. I mean, it's not, I want to say it's not uncommon, but it's, it's definitely been done where people have um, transferred guardianship to let's say grandma who's in this district and all of a sudden she's the legal guardian. Okay. Well now they're officially living in that district without having to buy the residence, you know, there's ways around stuff and people are figuring it out. And what it does is it just tilts the scale to the unethical side of things. Definitely. And yeah, there's, there's no easy solution, but I, I think we can both agree the eighth grade thing, like let's put that in today. Like that, that, that seems to be the easiest thing to implement right it away. It does. Absolutely. Without a doubt. So and from there, you know, if if uh, more and more of these private schools and charter schools keep popping up, I like we might have to discuss. You mm -hmm. know, there's there are certain conferences where there are more private schools than public schools. Well, so, yeah, and and you know, this is such a multi-layered discussion because there's so many things that just lead into the next. I mean, you know, you talk about um, the public school versus private school. If you have the ability to send your kid to a private school, why wouldn't you? You know, you can't fault those people, but you know, there's a lot of people that don't have the means, right? So here we are in a situation where, you know, we have people with money that can afford to do that. Good on them. That's awesome. And I, I can't fault you for it. But with the struggles of public school, the lack of funding in public school, people are really trying to bounce to private if they can, or bounce to another public that serves their needs better. So it's a very multi-layered thing. I mean, it, it just, it's an argument that really just goes right down a rabbit hole that doesn't seem to end. Yeah. And you know, some guys just want to win. They want to go to a, a team that's stacked um, so they can have a chance to experience winning. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something to be said for sticking with your, your current school. And if you're really a great player, then, you know, you rise, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats and you, you raise up your teammates and you take them along with you. But, uh, those are few and far between anymore. It seems like so. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's definitely, like we said, it's a culture thing that's it's spanning across 
collegiate sports, high school sports, definitely in pro sports. There's no there's no loyalty or allegiance to really much of anything anymore. I mean, just look at look at the way we treat, you know, our spouses and friendships and everything's disposable. And we're, we're starting to adopt that mindset in high school sports to to a degree. Yeah. And, you know, what are you, what are you going to do in the workforce? If you don't like your job, right? Or you feel like you should get that promotion. Are you going to go well, in? Into- it, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, interrupt you. But at the same time, it's like we are so eager to, you know, point the finger at somewhere other than the mirror. You know what I'm saying? It's their fault. It's their fault. So I'm out. I'm gone. I'm bouncing. Whatever the case is, instead of just toughening up and getting it done, that old school way of thinking disappearing very quickly. For sure. Well, as we wrap up this this important conversation, again, we want to reiterate, there's not a certain school or situation that we are talking about specifically. Mm-hmm. There is perception out there, though, we would be we would be naive and wrong to not bring up what we're hearing from people because we want to try and represent everybody on this podcast. Yeah. And, and that's a, it's a very slippery slope because, you know, we are in it for the business of promoting high school sports and promoting stories and stuff like that. But we're also in the business of uh, exposing problems that might be there because that is part of the high school landscape and without singling anybody out or, any school out. I mean, we will address the rumors that we hear and tell you the facts that we learn. But for us to come on and just say, this school's doing that, that school's doing that, that's not what we're about. Anything that we said here today that singled out a school, a person, whatever, is common knowledge. It's it's not anything that was told to us in confidence. Um, it's stuff that, that people already knew. Um, but, you know, if we wanted to do a, a, a podcast that we started singling things out, there's a laundry list right in front of me that I could expose. And I'm, I won't do that. You know, because I just want people to be aware of the problem. Right. Maybe a little more vigilance, a little more awareness. And mm-hmm. if, if you see something in your community that seems off, it's yeah. okay to ask questions about it. It's- yeah. Well, and we're doing it because we care. We want this yeah. to be run correctly. And we care about the kids. We care about the coaches and the teams and the communities. You know, we, we hate to see this flakiness all of a sudden. And, and, and I think it's our, my, my venom today is coming from a good place. You know, I'm, I'm so old school that, you know, you can call me a dinosaur. Matter of fact, uh, a group of kids call me T-Rex, you know, but uh, it's, it's just one of those things that it's coming from a good place because we want to protect the integrity of high school sports. Absolutely. Well, let's get back to uh, talking about high school sports because there's, uh, you know, it is the opening weekend. You know, golf has started really early. Scott, has golf started in the Magic Valley yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's uh, just made fall a whole lot busier <laughs> as if it weren't busy enough. But it's it's great for golf because, I mean, they're going to be, what, uh, October is going to be state. And we know how good the weather is through October they're, they're going to actually be playing in some really good weather rather than the crappy Idaho Springs. Yeah. Up North, the schools up North, a lot of them are going to have six of their 10 regular season tournaments, competitions yep. done before school actually starts. Crazy. Which is crazy to think about. Right. Um, all right. It is also a big uh, opening weekend for soccer. This is really the one sport where most teams are, are going to take the field and compete, you know, just looking at what's, taking place uh, over the next couple of days in the magic Valley, specifically when you look and it's a lot of the same matchups on the boys and girls side, but for example, you've got wood river at Caldwell, 
Century at Burley. This is um, girls soccer we're talking here. Century at Burley. Twin Falls is going to play Highland. Canyon Ridge is at Thunder Ridge. And then on the boys' side as well, you've got uh, a sampling of those same teams that are all going to be competing. Burley is going to play Century, Wood River, and Caldwell. They always seem to get together at the start of the year. Those are two pretty consistently good soccer programs, Wood River and and Caldwell. It's nice to see them play. Highland's going to play Twin Falls, and Thunder Ridge will take on Canyon Ridge. And it looks like Jerome Scott is traveling to to Valley View in boys' soccer as well. Yeah, that is correct. We open our season this Saturday on the road. So our boys are excited. This young team we've got, they're going to get up and see what they can do. Yep. So uh, a good opening uh, weekend of soccer. And we do have one football game uh, we want to touch on. A a little week zero action for you on IdahoSports.com this Friday night. The Minico Spartans will open their season at home against the Class 5A Thunder Ridge Titans. I'll tell you, uh, talking to, to Minico folks and coaches, they're mad. They are mad about how their season ended last year. They're (laughs) mad that everybody be caught. So Minico went undefeated in the regular season last year. They were the, you know, number one team in the polls. I think they were the number three seed overall for the, for the playoffs because of max preps rankings and they, they lose right away. Oh yeah. I mean, talk about just having the, the rug pulled right out from underneath you. I mean, this was, on everybody's radar, okay, how far is Minico going to get? But nobody thought they were going to lose to Valley View in the manner that they did. You know, they gave up 24, 28 points in that game, and they were averaging giving up nine a game, you know. And the thing that works for Minico is they're bringing back just about everybody, which, I mean, 34 upperclassmen. They have all three of their stud running backs returning in Bendele, Garza, Terry. Um, their linebacking core is – top notch all coming back gibson trinkle uh, mccaffrey i mean this is going to be a very good football team but the thing that hurts minico is their conference the the great basin conference over the last few years has been from top to bottom hasn't been very strong and that really showed its head in the playoffs last year because great basin teams went 0 three in the first round you know because we just don't have that from top to bottom, the strength. So they're, they're not playing anything, but you know what? Minico recognized that too. And so all of a sudden they decided to go out and make their schedule tougher because they realized they're not going to get pushed by several teams in their own conference. Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head where Minico, because of that one loss in the opening round of the playoffs last year, was their only blemish on the season, but because of that, and because of the great basin conference, they're already being dismissed by uh, everybody around the state. The the first media poll of the year came out earlier this week. Uh, Minico was not ranked in the top five. I personally vote in that poll. I had Minico ranked in my top five, but I'm only one voice among, you know, 15 or so. Um, and they, they, they said, basically bring it on. We, we like it that people are disrespecting us and counting us out and, uh, we're, we're going to strap it up and be ready to go. But you're right. It's a very difficult schedule that they put together hosting Thunder Ridge, a five, a 5A program. And then they're going to play at the Rocky mountain rumble next week up at Madison. They're going to play Beaver high, the Beaver Beavers. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, they're, they're going to play Ridgeline high from Utah as well. And this is no joke because Utah already has two games under their under their belt. So when Minico goes into the second and third game of the year for them, that will be like the fourth, fifth, or maybe even sixth game for some of those Utah schools. Yeah, so you can see there is a deliberate attempt by Minico 
to right the wrongs of last year. And, and you talk about just having the ultimate maximum motivation. Not only did you end so poorly, you're bringing everybody back and three, nobody respects you right now, you know, because they've seen you in this situation before. Oh, they choked. Well, guess what? You're labeled as a choker until you prove them out, prove them otherwise. Yeah. So yeah, you bet there is stuff on the locker room board that's just going to fire up Minico. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they do this year because they have all the talent coming back and all the motivation. Well, you, uh, if you're curious at how Minico will do this year, uh, be sure to check in on IdahoSports.com. We're, we're featuring Minico quite a bit on our uh, broadcast schedule this season. So if you want to see what Minico is all about, you can check them out. Uh, starting this Friday when they host Thunder Ridge, uh, 7 o'clock kickoff, we've got Mike Christensen and Carter Christensen on the call for a little Magic Valley game night week zero. It's going to be a good yeah, time. That should be fun. And that Thunder Ridge team is going to be re- really interesting too because you know they bring back a solid offensive line. Uh, I mean, they lost their all-world quarterback to the University of Utah, you know, um, Tao Johnson, uh, losing defensive end to Utah State, and Fitzgerald and Lynch goes to another college as a linebacker. So they lost some keys, but their solid offensive line is what's going to carry them. So it's going to be an interesting battle in the trenches. Um, Strength of Thunder Ridge, their offensive line, and the experience of Minico. Yep. And a little coaching royalty now at Thunder Ridge as well. Michael Berger, the son of legendary Skyline coach Scott Mm -hmm. Berger. So yeah, we'll see how he does with Thunder Ridge. So yep. Tune in this Friday on IdahoSports.com. And meanwhile, we'll have a lot more to talk about next week, Scott. We're going to dive into all the other football teams as they embark upon their season. We'll do some season previews for football. We'll, we'll talk about the Minico game. We'll talk about what we saw from soccer from that opening weekend of action. And uh, we'll, we'll get back to talking about the stuff on the field next week. Yep. We definitely will. But this is something that just needed to get out and needed to be aired and people needed to know, uh, decide however you want, believe whatever you want, but this is what's out there. So a uh, good podcast and it, it needed to be done. Yep. Just know that it's going on out there. So that's right. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into the Magic Valley Prepcast. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.